Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast. It is Thursday, July 28th. We are just days ahead of the MLB trade deadline, and that's exactly what we're going to focus on on this episode of the Fantasy Baseball Pod. Michael Beller, Al Melk, you are here with you. Al, what's going on, man? Well, like I said, July 28th. It's a little, little quiet, although maybe my expectations are based on a like a July 31st mm-hmm. deadline instead of August 2nd, which is what we really have. But a couple of trades, I'm sure we'll talk about them both, uh, at least a couple of trades that I can, can think of. But yeah, I'm ready ready for the, the deluge to yeah, come. Yeah, right. right. It does, July 28th, it does feel like we should have a little bit more going on, but you and I are recording. It is 11 a.m. Eastern time as we start this recording, so we've still got all day Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and then up till 4 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday. So we've got like five and a half days still of uh, potential action in front of us. So rest assured, there will be plenty of action. There will be plenty of it on this podcast as well. Before we get going, I want to give you a little programming note. However, this is actually going to be my final episode of the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Uh, some shuffling of roles. have more information on that next week. But um, I'm going to be uh, calling it a fantasy baseball discussion and talking career for the time being. So just wanted to give you that note. Uh, listeners, you guys have been awesome. It's been great to be able to talk baseball with you right here in this feed over the last few years. And Al, You've been just a mensch to work with, man. I really have loved getting to know you, getting to talk baseball with you basically once or twice a week for the last couple of years. It's been a whole lot of fun, man, and I'm going to miss having these discussions with you. Well, I'm just going to be dial- just reflexively dialing you up on, on Zoom or, or StreamYard. Uh, just, what's going on? Are, are we yeah. talking baseball? Now? It, it's it's, it's going to be a weird transition for me, Michael. So I've I've really enjoyed these uh, podcasts over the last few years, and uh, and I will definitely be missing them. Oh, man. Well, I'll always be here. I'll always be ready to talk uh, to talk baseball with you, to talk trades, to talk anything that you want to talk. So uh, I may be leaving the feed, but the feed is not leaving my soul. Absolutely going to be there. Um, let's do it out. Let's have some fun. Let's not get yep. too uh, let's not get too sappy here. Let's have some fun. Here's what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to talk about this MLB trade deadline. Anything we talk about before something actually happens, it's impending. It's speculation, right? That's just how things work here. And so, we thought it would be fun to tap our fantasy or excuse me, our MLB beat writers at the Athletic and use the work they've done to speculate on some things that might happen. There is a great piece right now up at the Athletic where all of our beat writers speculate on potential trades they could see their teams making. Some of them got really detailed, some of them a little bit broader. We're going to take that work and then say, "Hey, if this beat writer of beat writer X is right, what are the downstream fantasy effects?" From that happening, we're just going to go through this alphabetically. That is how the uh, pre- column is presented, and so that's how we're going to jump into things. We start off with the area. What's up, Al? You want to say well, something? Yeah, I was going to say, I'd like to make a case for for an exception and start with the Royals because oh, okay. uh, yeah, I should that... look and make sure. I'm sure it must have been Alec Lewis that made the call. Yes, but, indeed. Uh, Good call. Uh, Good call. Good call, Alec. Good call, you. Let's start. Yeah, yep, for sure. Let's start with the. uh, Let's start with those Kansas City Royals. Uh, Alec's prediction was that the team will indeed trade Andrew Benintendi. Of course, he has been rumored to be on the move, and the team did just that on Wednesday, shipping Andrew Benintendi to the New York Yankees. So uh, back to the AL East goes Benintendi. all in a report, all there's their indications that he will indeed get vaccinated, so he will be able to play the team's one remaining series in Toronto and any potential playoff games uh, that the the Yankees have north of the border. So hey, this is one that we're not just speculating on what would happen. What does happen? What are your uh, your takeaways from Benintendi to the to the Yankees on both the Yankee and the Royal side here? 
Well, uh, on the Yankees side, uh, for the time being, Ben Benintendi uh, remains an everyday player, I would think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, for now, he's, he's filling the, the very big shoes of, of Giancarlo Stanton. So uh, when Stanton comes back, uh, I just have to think that maybe there's going to be a little bit of a, a rotation, maybe uh, a little less Ben Benintendi, maybe a little less Aaron Hicks. Uh, Joey Gallo, and this is kind of giving away uh, another one of the the predictions, but I don't think it'll surprise anybody that uh, the prediction of Joey Gallo being either traded or DFA'd. So, uh, you know, that seems to be the fallout to come on the Yankee Mm -hmm. side. On the the Royals side, probably more playing time for Kyle Isbell. I think nothing, you know, with a team like the Royals, you'd think, uh, Michael, that you you get a a stalwart like Benintendi, taken out of the picture and that creates a big opportunity for somebody that could be really impactful in fantasy. But I'm not sure there's really much of a mixed league uh, impact with this one yeah. for Kansas city. And that's a team that we, we are pretty confident is going to be making some other moves. So the dust certainly hasn't settled on the Royals just yet for this 2022 trade deadline. But that was, you know, that, that was sort of a fun little appetizer to get things going, right? We had a feeling the Yankees would be adding some pieces, had a feeling Ben Benintendi would be on the move. It's not going to be the biggest move, but a fun little thing to get things going as we uh, anticipate five more days of a whole lot of trade action. Let's jump back up to the top of the list here, Al, to the top of the alphabetical list and talk about the Arizona Diamondbacks. Zach uh, Buchanan checked a few boxes of, you know, guys who we pretty comfortable on this Arizona team are going to get shipped out. Not huge names, but he also said that you know Christian Walker is not necessarily uh, a guaranteed to remain in Arizona. Obviously, that would be a guy who would draw a little bit more interest in their obvious trade pieces, uh, has a little bit more team control, things like that. So Christian Walker gets traded. Um, what I mean, obviously, you know, it's, it's hard to speculate on where he would go. So like in Arizona, if Christian Walker were to get traded, do you see any obvious fantasy winners? Well, again, our uh, our beat writers have kind of bailed me out on this one because Stephen Nesbitt made a call that the Astros might be uh, might be the trading partner wouldn't that there. Wouldn't be fun? And wouldn't it though? Wouldn't it? So uh, it makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, I think maybe the other possibility would be perhaps the Mets. But um, yeah, I like that call. I like that call going to to Houston. I think you know whether it was either of those teams. I mean, I'm trying to think who else maybe would be in that picture. Um, I don't know. I don't really see him being part of like a Josh Bell deal. And plus I just don't see the Diamondbacks no. trading for Josh Bell. So yeah, it doesn't make just, a ton of sense. So yeah, I, you know, if it's the, the Astros or the Mets. Houston and the Mets both make a lot of sense. Yeah. Anything in Arizona that would interest you if Walker were gone? Uh, you know, th- this has been a recurring topic, especially on the prospect show in terms of, um, you know, players that might come up. It's been in the discussion of David Peralta, being traded. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we've obviously discussed Corbin Carroll a lot. We've talked a little bit about Dominic Fletcher. Um, we haven't uh, talked so much about, uh, you know, some of the the players, you know, that maybe are more deep league options, uh, but who could come up. But uh, I think definitely this, you know, walk this Walker possibility is one that I haven't really dis- seen discussed elsewhere. And mm-hmm. I think it does, uh, you know, it does maybe create a little bit more security for uh, players like Jake McCarthy, who who are already there, um, I, I think it also a player that you know we haven't really talked about that much. Paven Smith, yeah, maybe he gets another crack or Seth Beer. I would think probably mm-hmm. Paven Smith maybe look at the first shot there, um, but yeah, I think it just maybe creates a little more certainty in a situation where 
players have been up and down and it just creates an extra spot if you have, say, both Peralta and Walker out of the picture. Could be a fun one. Definitely would be one that we're not necessarily expecting Christian Walker maybe getting shipped out of Arizona. Uh, Braves, David O'Brien, our great Braves beat reporter, uh, not expecting anything huge from the Braves. This is obviously a, a team that is very well positioned to be headed back to the playoffs and getting a real crack at defending their World Series crown. So we're talking more little moves. Uh, his prediction, trade for a right-handed reliever, someone who is not going to unseat Kenley Jansen as the closer in Atlanta. So I think we can just move right on from there. <laughs> Let's talk about the Baltimore Orioles. Trey Mancini, uh, for many reasons, a fan favorite in Baltimore, but also a guy who is rumored to be potentially on the move. Dan Connolly, uh, Orioles beat reporter, has the prediction of Trey Mancini going to the New York Mets. Uh, in that same piece, uh, um, you know, for Houston, he is discussed as uh, the you know fallback or other option from Christian Walker. So a lot of people expecting Trey Mancini to get moved, and we can you know we can talk about this from from both sides because um, you know uh, Mets beat reporters not necessarily expecting them to to get in on a guy like Mancini. But let's just talk about it right now from the Baltimore point of view, Mancini seems pretend like a, a solid bet to get moved. What happens in Baltimore if he does get shipped out? Uh, yeah, the, I, I'm not sure. You know, with all the, the really interesting prospects that the Orioles have right now, I, it would be much more interesting to me maybe if, uh, you know, an outfield or rather, I'm sorry, rather a, like a middle infield spot opened up. Um, but maybe that does create uh, a spot maybe in terms of, you know, DH that mm-hmm. you could bring one of those uh prospects up and again would be really really cool to see uh Gunnar Henderson up I don't know that that's something that we're you know we're going to see but kind of like with Corbin Carroll I'm definitely rooting for that to happen uh I think maybe more likely be somebody like Yusniel Diaz yeah we're probably looking at uh probably not not a really exciting move uh in -hmm. terms of somebody coming up from, from the minors there. Maybe it's even just something as simple as like more secure playing time for uh, somebody like Tyler Nevin. Um, let's talk about the Red Sox. This is a, this is a fun one. The, you know, this is uh, a team that has totally fallen off here. They are now, as of this recording, 49 and 50 in last place in the AL East, half a game behind the exactly 500 Baltimore Orioles. So a team that, you know, not only... Uh, you know, could be selling, but maybe should be selling given what they could get back, depending on who they are willing to put on the market. And that's exactly where our beat reporter, Chad Jennings goes. He says that this is a team that's going to make a significant trade, a team that is going to unload a really meaningful name player. He says, perhaps not at the Xander Bogarts level, but someone more substantial than a middle innings reliever. So care to throw any names out there, not quite Xander Bogarts, but more substantial than a middle innings reliever. Well, a few names actually come up, and it would definitely make more sense for uh, a hitter to go. Um, and I will say that the name that comes up is for me is Jaron Duran, and maybe it would be somebody instead like Alex Verdugo, who you know creates a space for for Duran to have more stable playing time. But given that how the the Red Sox have sort of dragged their feet to give Duran an opportunity this year, maybe they're just not as excited about him as a part of their their long-term plans mm-hmm. and uh, I actually have an idea of a, a trade that would make sense, but it would, would involve giving away one of the, the teams down the list. But um, you know, I could see either Duran or Verdugo maybe going 
And in terms of pitching, I mean, if they really just decide to throw in the towel on this year, once Rich Hill and Michael Walker get healthy, I could see them maybe getting traded. Uh, so I'd say those those are the primary names that come to come to mind for me. Could be a lot of fun. That's a team that we weren't necessarily thinking we were going to have to watch uh, as sellers at the deadline as recently as you know maybe two three weeks ago, and now here they are, uh, almost getting close to the obvious seller territory, and got some names to unload if they do indeed go in that direction. Cubs, they've been uh, obvious sellers since, oh, I don't know, maybe about April 24th or so. And so there are going to be some big names moved out of Chicago. Wilson Contreras, that seems basically a lock. Ian Happ certainly could be on the move as well. David Robertson, that is for sure a lock. He is going to be elsewhere and maybe somewhere where he's still able to close. Uh, And so Patrick Mooney chimes in and says that, you know, in addition to those guys getting moved, sees the Cubs and Padres as obvious trade partners. Jed Hoyer, of course, came from San Diego to Chicago. Uh, This is a team that has gotten together on a number of other trades. You Darvish, of course, being shipped to uh, the Padres most recently as a big deal, but they've made some small deals as well. So that's a fun one, and this is a team that you maybe could find a a home for for both Contreras and Happ. So that's one that could line up, but no matter what, we're going to see some Cubs on the move in a big way. Yeah, and in fact, let's let's just knock out two for the price of one here yeah. and uh, talk about Dennis Lynn's write-up for the Padres sure. because his call lines up with this. He says the Padres will acquire Wilson Contreras. Makes a lot of sense, right? You were just mm-hmm. alluding to that. Uh, Contreras and, and Ian Happ both would be great fits for the Padres yep. in terms of what their needs are. Uh, and comment that I just jotted down in our rundown, uh, <laughs> maybe it's uh, time to free Luis uh, Campusano, mm. who has just been buried on the depth chart there. And given that uh, catching's been sort of a need, it's, it's a little bit puzzling as to why uh, Campusano hasn't gotten more of uh, more of an opportunity. But yeah, uh, that's something I could see, Contreras for yeah. Campusano, and that's, that's uh, I, think it's a, it, I think it's a win-win. Maybe it's more of a lateral move for Contreras but would definitely be a big win for Campusano if he went to the Cubs. Yeah, for sure would be a big win for him. And Contreras, I mean, not, yeah, at worst it's lateral. If you want to call it a win, I mean, you can always point to the fact that he'd be you know, hitting in a, you know, a more fruitful lineup most likely uh, down the stretch. And so maybe that ends up giving him more run-scoring opportunity, RBI opportunity. But uh, the Cubs definitely a team to watch over these next couple of uh, days here. White Sox on the other side of town, uh, James Fegan giving us not the most uh, uh, <laughs> exciting of predictions here, saying that Matt Moore, he, he's, he went so far as to predict the exact left-handed reliever that the White Sox will trade for. He says it's going to be Matt Moore, and that makes a lot of sense. This is a, These are two teams that do have a, a trade history with one another. It does feel like the White Sox um, have a need for left-handed relieving. They're sort of getting healthy again, and a, a team that doesn't have a whole lot of um, – depth in the farm system to be able to tap for a big trade. So it does seem like if the White Sox make some moves, they're going to be of the smaller variety. Matt Moore, the prediction here, again, one just like Atlanta, I think we can just say what the prediction was and move on to the next team, and that is the Cincinnati Reds, who we definitely expect to be active leading up to the deadline. See Trent Rosecrans, intrepid Reds beat reporter, saying this team will trade no fewer than five players, including Luis Castillo and Tyler Molly, that makes things really exciting. Puts uh, Tommy Pham, Brandon Drury, Tyler Naquin, and Mike Miner also on the watch list as well. What most gets your attention from uh, from Trent's prediction? Well, not anything in terms of uh, you know like a filtering down of role or playing time or anything like that, but just the the park factor issue. 
And I don't really think that that is an issue for Castillo. I think he's good enough that he sort of transcends that. Plus, he just gets a lot of ground balls. But uh, Tyler Malley, uh, probably not a surprise to, to, uh, to folks, but very, very extreme splits, both in terms of ERA and home run per nine. Uh, he has given up over his career 61 home runs at Great American Ballpark, just 28 on the road. So a ticket out of Cincinnati, yeah. I think that could really do great things for, for Mally's uh, fantasy value. And when I think about targets for pitching, uh, the Cardinals are pretty much the, the first team that, that comes to mind for me. Although, and again, maybe this is, you know, doing a two for one here, that um, the write-up in the piece on the Cardinals suggested that maybe they're, they're not going to go really big. Uh, for a rotation piece, maybe more more of a mid tier uh, mm-hmm. option. So I, I feel like uh, Malley's kind of maybe bordering on that. I'm not sure if he's if I would call him mid tier, but that would certainly be a, a good location for him. Yeah. But maybe if, Red's you know, going to do take... that in the division. Well, I'm sorry, Red's in, uh, move him in the division. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously it'd be preferable for them not to, but in terms of need and in terms of where they could get a, mm-hmm. a package that really helps them. I always think that I, unless we're talking about Juan Soto, I think that's overrated, you know, to go get the yeah. best deal you can get. Who cares yeah. if you have to face this guy again? Yeah. Especially this season. Yeah, exactly. So, exactly. you know, I'm not saying that I'm totally sold on the idea that that's where uh, Castillo or, or Molly would go, but it, it would certainly be a, a, a great fit. Uh, maybe Mike Miner instead. You know, goes yep. there if they want to mm-hmm. go uh, a little, you know, less pricey. I guess uh, the Cardinals do. Mm-hmm. So, the other player too that um, I thought of in terms of the park factor is Brandon Jury because he's just having such uh, a great season this year. And I was a little bit surprised that the home run split is pretty e- even, road versus uh, away. Uh, Eleven of nineteen home runs have been hit in Cincinnati. So. Maybe not a, a big hit to his uh, his power if Drury goes elsewhere. He has uh, he's been hitting for a much higher average in Cincinnati. He's hitting a lot more doubles there, so maybe a bit of a downgrade for him. But if uh, the home run power is what you've been enjoying from Brandon Drury, maybe maybe you still get to benefit from that with a trade. All right, from Southwest Ohio to Northeast Ohio we go, and the Cleveland Guardians, who entering play on Thursday, just one and a half games behind the Twins in the AL Central. They are very much in this thing. This is a team that we don't expect to take on a, a, a ton of salary at the trade deadline. So Zach Mizell, Guardians beat reporter, says they could make a move at the catcher position where they're tr- trotting out, uh, you know, Austin Hedges and, and Luke Miley. So you know, obviously it's. It's a, a position that could use an offensive upgrade for this team. Is there anyone that's like obviously out there to you, Al, that would suddenly be on our fantasy radar who already isn't if this team were to make a catcher trade? I mean, not in terms of who would come to them and the options that um, that Zach mentions in the piece. Uh, of course, Wilson Contreras. And so that would... Uh, you know, throw some cold water on the Padres prediction, Mm -hmm. Uh, Sean Murphy and Christian Vasquez. And of the three, Murphy definitely seems like the most likely. And um, the the exciting thing in that, because I I mean, it's an upgrade for Murphy in in terms of uh, the environment going from Oakland, not only in terms of going from arguably the worst offense in the majors uh, to one that's not the worst, (laughs) but also going from to a much better ballpark uh, for hitters than Oakland Coliseum. But it also opens up the doors 
door for uh, Shane Langoliers. So that to me would be the big deal if Murphy went to uh, yeah. went to Cleveland. Definitely uh, an interesting situation to watch there in Cleveland. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, let's go through the next two teams, uh, just sort of pass over them. Both Colorado and Detroit. We got Nick Groke in Colorado and Cody Stavenhagen in Detroit predicting that the teams do nothing substantial. Well, Cody in Detroit says nothing substantial. Nick in Colorado says nothing, period, which would really fit the Rockies over the last few years. So let's not try to step on the beat writer's toes. Let's move past them. Let's get to Houston. We've talked about the other sides of these deals uh, that were put out there for Houston. Trade for either Christian Walker or Trey Mancini. Is there one of those two guys that you think gets more of a boost from being moved to Houston, or is it just good news for both? I think it's good news for both. Both, I can't really think of uh, of one that would have more of an edge than than the other. And I think both are both have been viable in twelve team leagues, and both will absolutely continue to be viable. And actually, they'll be more viable because they both get a much better lineup to hit in. Uh, so yeah, I mean, obviously the big loser fantasy wise, um, and, and playing time wise here would be Yuli Gurriel. Uh, yeah, I don't think there's any other impact there. And I, you know, in terms of who could go the other way, I mean, I don't think we're looking at Hunter Brown. Um, so I don't know that there's necessarily any player that's gonna, you know, go coming to a lot of playing time. Who's, who's going to make a big impact, Mm -hmm. uh, whether it's with the Orioles or the Diamondbacks. All right, let's uh, get to the next team here. We already talked about the Royals. They're up next alphabetically, but we already discussed that Andrew Benintendi trade. So then we get to the Los Angeles Angels where Sam Blum says this team will move Noah Syndergaard. You go a little bit farther down and you find Katie Wu talking about the Cardinals saying that you you, t- you talked about it out, those mid-tier SP targets for them. Maybe Noah Syndergaard fits in St. Louis. Obviously, St. Louis, a big rumor for Juan Soto as well. So they probably work on that before nailing down Syndergaard or any other mid-tier SP. But, uh, you know, let's talk about this uh, mostly from the Angels, but you can throw the Cardinals in here. Noah Syndergaard on the move. Yeah, uh, and uh, to me, the Cardinals really, given that, that little tidbit uh, from Katie Wu, I mean, he seems to be of all the pitchers that are mentioned as uh, possible uh, candidates to, to be on the move. He fits that bill the best, I think, as a mid-tier option. So mm-hmm. it, that would make a lot of sense. I could could definitely see that. And uh, again, it wouldn't necessarily mean a major haul for, for the Angels, but uh, Cardinals have a very deep farm system and they could certainly get you know somebody useful. So yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, that that would be uh, a really interesting trade from a fantasy perspective mm-hmm. in terms of 
where else Syndergaard could go. I mean, maybe Philadelphia. Sure. I would have thought the Twins would have been in this picture, but we're going to get to them shortly. Uh-huh. And uh, n- not necessarily uh, would that be the case, as we'll, again, we'll discuss in just a few moments. We'll discuss in just a few moments. We're still in the L's. We've got one big L team that we still haven't talked about. Now, in terms of what they start with, not loser or lost team, because it's the Los Angeles Dodgers, just the best team in Major League Baseball. And maybe going to get better with the addition of Juan Soto. They're obviously going to be in this mix. And so. That would just be sort of cruel to the baseball world. If like, oh yeah, we'll throw Juan Soto in the middle of this lineup too. Um, that'll be fun, All right? But uh, Fabian Ardaya, our Dodgers beat writer, says if this team doesn't make a Soto move, don't expect them to trade out any of their other big prospects. So Al, that sounds to me like it's sort of a Soto or bust deadline for the Dodgers. Yeah, which was was surprising at first because we're just so accustomed to the Dodgers making big splashes and going all in. Um, but they do have a, a number of pending free agents. And so, you know, they'll need Bobby Miller to, to be around. They're going to need Miguel Vargas. They're going to need Michael Bush. So makes a lot of sense in a way. Um, and obviously if you have the opportunity to get Juan Soto, you take it, the Dodgers have the pieces clearly and, and boy would, could that potentially be an incredible haul for the nationals? But if that doesn't happen, then you're looking at the Dodgers reloading next year mm-hmm. and uh, doing it with a bunch of really good prospects. So I uh, guess yeah, that would be uh, the, the impact there, you know, that uh, probably these prospects like Vargas and Bush that we've talked about this year, um, probably not playing much of a role down the stretch, but, but could play big roles in, yep. in 2023. Yeah, definitely. And so that makes a lot of sense that we would see, either a Soto or bus deadline for the Dodgers. Maybe a fringy move. Obviously, you know, we would, wouldn't be surprised to see them make a small move to, you know, reinforce uh, something here, something there going into the uh, final stretch of the regular season and into the postseason. But it does sound like from a fantasy perspective, the only move that this team maybe makes, or at least what uh, Fabian, our uh, Dodgers beat writer, expects, the only fantasy relevant move that the Dodgers will make will be swinging that big deal for Juan Soto. Let's talk about the Miami Marlins. Steven Nesbitt chimed in on this one, saying that Pablo Lopez uh, and the trade chatter surrounding him has been hot. This is one of the few teams, maybe the only team in the majors that feels comfortable trading a good young starter considering just how much they have in that area. And so uh, Steven Nesbitt predicting that Pablo Lopez gets gets moved for a hitter. Any downstream fantasy effects that immediately come to mind for you there? Well, the most obvious one for me is that I think that that solidifies the uh, the job security for Braxton Garrett, who's been been really good, and that's that's no longer really a secret in fantasy circles. I mean, he's he's been getting picked up in a lot of leagues, but uh, I actually did hesitate to pick him up in one shallower league because of just uh, the the numbers game when everybody gets healthy for the Marlins. But um, yeah, w- with subtraction. That uh, that definitely solidifies uh, Garrett's uh, job security, and 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 he's earned that. So that's uh, one one uh, outcome of a Lopez trade or a trade of, of any of the other pitchers. But also, and I'll go back to something I said before when we were talking about the Red Sox and looking at a destination for one of their hitters, the Marlins would make sense as a trade partner. Uh, mm-hmm. So I could see a trade that would involve Lopez and, and Jaron Duran. Yeah, um, I, that just that to me is something I could envision, given the types of players that the the types of hitters, and particularly that the Marlins have targeted in the past, and what their needs are, and 
it certainly makes a lot of sense for the Red Sox, especially if they want to stay in the race this year. Could be, you know, a really, really fruitful deadline for teams that need starting pitchers. I mean, look at some of the names we've already talked about. Luis Castillo, Pablo Lopez, Noah Sindergaard. I mean, there could be some intriguing pitchers on the move that uh, that impact the race in a big, big way. We know the Milwaukee Brewers won't be in the market for a starting pitcher. They haven't been for some time, but for that exact same amount of time and then some, they've been desperate to find just some help for this offense. We know that is going to be the case going into the deadline. This feels like a team to me that they can't come away with nothing. They're just going to run it back yet again and like lose three to one to the Mets in the DS. Like if they just do the exact same thing, they can't come away with nothing. The, the agnostic baseball fan in me would like to see them come away with something big. Will Salmon, who recently moved over to the Mets beat, but still chimed in on the Brewers beat here since he knows it pretty darn well after years in Milwaukee. Uh, saying that uh, it's going to be something like a su- someone just to supplement their batting order with a mid-cost rental, specifically saying that Josh Bell might be out of their preferred range. To which I say, like, why, Brewers? Why do you do you, like? Are you happy being like an eighty-seven win team that gets knocked out in the DS, or do you actually want to do something? But does anyone fit that bill to you? I think there's a number of players who do. Um... Just looking at the the teams that are likely to sell, um, the Royals already showing themselves to be centers sellers. Uh, Hunter Dozier, I haven't really seen him mentioned as a trade chip, but just in terms of what the Brewers' needs are, I think that he might might fit that. Maybe Tony Kemp mm-hmm. uh, from from the Athletics. Um, I mean, Brandon Drury would obviously. Yeah. I don't know if given what he's done this year, if that makes him maybe a little too pricey, but. He'd be a good fit, although I think for him, fantasy-wise, that would be a big downgrade sure. because um, I don't see Drury playing every day as a brewer, and it probably wouldn't be great for somebody like uh, Luis Arias, but um, I think that's probably the top end of the type of mm-hmm. hitter that we would see them targeting. God, just come on, Milwaukee. Do, just do, go for it, man. Do something. Do something. <laughs> Try to be better than what you've been to this point. I mean, I know they made an NLCS, but still. Would love to see that team uh, take a a real honest shot at adding a big-time hitter before the deadline. Minnesota Twins, you referenced them as a a team that maybe surprisingly not in the market for a starting pitcher. Uh, In our write-up here from Aaron Gleeman, he is talking about them at a minimum having to address their season-long bullpen problems by bringing in at least one veteran setup caliber reliever. That's really not going to get many juices flowing in the fantasy world. Uh, It does surprise you, yes, Al, that they're – that there's no talk of adding more than just that? Yeah, there is. Uh, but, you know, if you're going to boil it down to top priority, then, yeah, I do think that the bullpen is a bigger priority oh, yeah. than the rotation. So if uh, Aaron has, you know, the the insight that, uh, that the Twins aren't going to be moving on, on multiple fronts, then that that certainly is very, you know, very intuitive that they would try to, to shore up the bullpen. But also means that, unless they were taking somebody like, I don't know, David Robertson uh, mm-hmm. and making him an, uh, an eighth inning uh, reliever, or at least somebody who maybe is splitting the ninth with Duran or somebody else, um, that that's obviously going to be a downgrade. Otherwise, I think you're, you're talking about a, a fantasy non-move. 
Let's get to the New York Mets, a team that is obviously very intriguing from the standpoint of buying. But Tim Britton says that they are going to be perceived as something of a letdown. Now, when you are playing as well as the Mets are playing and you're getting Max Scherzer going and you're getting Jacob DeGrom back, you know, eh, you can afford to be something of a letdown at the deadline. And so obviously you're going to hear the Mets tied to Juan Soto, perhaps, certainly Wilson Contreras, maybe Xander Bogarts, if those rumors pick up at all. But Tim Britton, our Mets beat writer, saying that it's really just going to be depth moves, similar to what they did with Daniel Vogelbach uh, earlier this week or late last week, whenever that trade exactly went down. And so maybe nothing really of fantasy note here, Al, other than you know guys who would potentially lose their jobs to a Juan Soto or a Wilson Contreras can breathe a sigh of relief. Yeah, uh, well, there, I, I had heard some some rumors about Contreras earlier in the year, but um, the Mets, again, not looking based on this reporting, not mm-hmm. looking like a, a likely option there. So, yeah, I think pretty much, you know, whatever Mets you have rostered, you sounds like you don't have to worry about uh, what their, their role is going to be uh, for the last two months. Yeah. And, uh, team that we're just going to be watching as a World Series contender over these next couple of months couple of months here excuse me the uh, other team in new york of course also a big time world series contender and lindsey adler our yankees beat writer says don't expect anything too big from this team and obviously Juan soto could happen but the prediction she made in this nothing too big you referenced it earlier joey gallo gets dfa'd is there anywhere joey gallo could go in your mind that would make him worth taking a shot on in fantasy leagues not a, not a destination that's you know unto itself going to make Gallo more relevant. I think it's just the idea that uh, he's just been so much less valuable in fantasy than uh, I think pre- pretty much everybody was expecting. And if you look at what's happened with Gallo this year, it's it's very much the same profile, just more so, mm-hmm. <laughs> more more fly balls, uh, more of a, a, a pull. Uh, uh, profile uh, in terms of the the distribution of, of where he's hitting the ball, um, not making a lot of contact. So I mean, it's just it's Joey Gallo only more so. So maybe if he just went back to being the Joey Gallo that he had been before, wherever that is, and and maybe whatever uh, you know hitting coach can help him make adjustments. You know that that's I, I think that Gallo could be relevant again, but it's not any particular uh, place. It just he would have to be afforded some playing yeah. time. And uh, there was a report uh, just within the last few hours from John Heyman that noted that the Rangers and Padres have expressed some interest. Those all those both make sense. The Padres especially, and of course. You know, we can imagine Joey Gallo in a Rangers uniform. So those are places where you could see him getting playing time and, and maybe uh, maybe getting turned around. From one end of the uh, American League standings to the other, let's talk about the Oakland A's. Steve Berman saying that Frankie Montes will get traded. So we'll get another high-quality pitcher on the market here. Um, said this could go down to the wire. Obviously, Luis Castillo, he, he um, you know opines on the idea of the Luis Castillo losers turning their attention to Frankie Montes and the A's. Um, we know Oakland's a good place to pitch, Al. Would you be... I mean, obviously you're not cutting Frankie Montes, but are, if you're sitting there, are you hoping that the A's aren't able to strike a deal? I am because I have Frankie Montes in an AL only league. I think that's the only. <laughs> oh <guy>. yes, <laughs> and even there, I might I probably should be rooting for him to be going to another AL team where he gets a better shot at getting wins. Uh-huh. So I don't know if there's any scenario where we're we're rooting for uh, Montes to stay stay in Oakland, unless you're an A's fan. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So uh, something to watch. I mean, look at these really big time uh, starters who could get moved here. Maybe Philly 
uh, is in the mix for one of these guys. Matt Gelb, Phillies beat reporter, uh, says they're definitely in the mix for a starter, but it doesn't sound like it'll be of the Lopez or Castillo or Montes version. He's talking more a back-of-the-rotation starter. So, I don't know, Al. To me, when you're talking about that, it just it feels like a guy who can just eat up some innings for them and get them through the regular season competitively and you know maybe uh, sneaking off one of those wild-card spots, but maybe not someone who we're too interested in in the fantasy world. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, if you're talking about somebody who's in the range of, of you know, who they've got there, a healthy Zach Eflin or uh, right now Bailey Falter filling that mm-hmm. role. Um, and then that that to me, again, we're talking more, you know, very deep leagues. But this uh, prediction, which makes a lot of sense, uh, makes it a lot less attractive to be adding uh, Falter down the down the stretch. And I, I like him a lot. Um, I actually would like to see him uh, continue to get opportunities uh, based on what he's done in the minor leagues. But I think that's prim- pretty much the extent of the the fantasy relevance of the, the Phillies trying to pick up somebody for the back of the rotation. Yeah, it also seems pretty similar on the other side of the state where uh, Rob Beer Temple, our Pirates beat reporter, talks about Ben Gamble being someone who is shipped out. And Ben Gamble certainly is a useful piece for a contending team. Rob lists uh, his splits against right-handers on the season, 254, 344, 409 with four homers. I mean, that's definitely someone who a contender can acquire, throw on their bench, and get in there and pinch hit opportunities against righties, the occasional start against right-handed pitching. But it's just not going to move the needle in the fantasy world. And it's hard to imagine the Pirates really doing much of anything, Al, that moves the needle in the fantasy world. Yeah, I don't think so. They've got some interesting prospects who have been, most of whom have been up and down. And maybe it uh, you know creates a, a more stable acti- uh, opportunity for somebody like Jack Sawinski, who was recently sent down. But yeah, uh, nothing that's really going to be uh, on the radar. Certainly in shallower than fifteen team mixed leagues, and in a lot of cases, it's probably you're just looking at players who are mono league candidates. All right, we already talked about the Padres and uh, Dennis Lynn's prediction that they are the team that indeed wins the Wilson Contreras sweepstakes. So let's move on to the final six teams that we are going to talk about here. And we start with the fading San Francisco Giants. I saw a funny tweet from Grant Brisby, one of our two Giants beat writers yesterday, something like the Giants have to go 56-5 and uh, over the rest of the season uh, to match their record from last year. Like, can they do it? Probably not, but baseball's crazy. You know, Grant, uh, one of the funniest guys out there on Twitter. Uh, so definitely uh, give him a follow if you are not uh, following him already. Andrew Baggerly, the other Giants beat writer here at The Athletic, is the one who made the prediction for this column saying that Ramon Laureano makes a short trip across the bay from Oakland to San Francisco. And, I mean, Ramon Laureano already on, you know, universally rostered here, but that would be just sort of a fun move to see happen. It would be a very fun move, and it's it's a move, I think, as somebody who's got Loriano in a 12-teamer, I think I want to see that. Uh, the part of me that, that's hedging on that is that, uh, obviously, he'd be going to a much better team, but uh, you look at how the, the Giants use their roster, and there's almost nobody that's really an everyday player. And it it's sort of interesting to me that probably the two players who have had the steadiest playing time are uh, Tiara Estrada and Wilmer Flores, who... You know, coming into this year, you just think of as like utility players. Mm-hmm. So, um, it, you know, if uh, the rest of that lineup can't really be counted on to play every day, I'm not sure that we could count on Loriano to do that as well. But I still think he'd play enough for that to yeah. be an upgrade. 
Yeah, that would be definitely a fun one to see. And as Baggerly notes, uh, under team control through 2025. So this would not just be a rental or anything like that for the Giants. Uh, Corey Brock uh, gives us a very fun scenario for the Seattle Mariners. Now, of course, they have been mentioned as well in the Juan Soto sweepstakes. And other than people who root for teams in the AL West, who doesn't want to see Julio Rodriguez and Juan Soto as teammates for the next decade, that would be a whole lot of fun. Uh, obviously, they're not moving Julio Rodriguez anywhere, but Corey predicts that one of the other big names uh, up and coming for this team could be on the move, saying that Jared Kelenic or Matt Brash will get traded by the Mariners leading up to the deadline. Al, I mean, that's what that's what deadline dreams are made of right there. <laughs> it is. And uh, when I, I read that, I instantly thought of the Mar- the Marlins because, mm-hmm. again, that seems like a, a, you know, a, a match that would make sense for them. Although if you're trading Pablo Lopez and if Jared Kelnick is the, the main piece coming back as a Marlins fan, that, that does have to make you a little yeah. bit nervous. You need a little more than that, I think. For sure you need <laughs> more than that, but... Um, you know, if he were, you know, one of the, the big pieces, and I would think he would be, that still that might make you a little worried about the, the what the return is. But it, it, it kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could see that. And uh, I could see it from the Mariners' perspective, too, that uh, getting somebody at the back of the rotation that would either allow them to uh, protect George Kirby's innings or maybe be an upgrade over Chris Flexen. Uh yeah, I, I think that would make a lot of sense on on both ends. But yeah, I'd just like to see the Mariners do something really big. Yeah, Mariners, a fun team to watch at the deadline. Basically always, and it seems like they're going to be that once again this season. The Cardinals here, three games behind the Brewers. This is a team that has some obvious need in the rotation. We've already referenced it a few times on this episode in talking about some of the other pitchers who could be traded. Maybe not Luis Castillo here. Maybe not someone quite of that caliber, but... Uh, Noah Syndergaard, you threw Michael Walka in here, who's still dealing with the shoulder thing, but obviously that's someone who they are very comfortable and familiar with. They have to make a move in the rotation now. I mean, they have to. It's really just a question of who is it. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I just I would love to see a bigger move here. I think it would be exciting. I'm not sure why they wouldn't do it. They've got the pieces. Uh, they absolutely have the the players to do it. Uh, so I think they could go big and and get Luis Castillo or or get Frankie Montas. Uh, so we'll, it remains to be seen, mm-hmm. but uh, that, that's that's not the call being made here. I, again, I, I know it was just like 10 minutes ago that I just said, like, I like sort of sell the idea of don't trade in your own division. Just go get the best uh, deal that you can possibly get. Someone like Luis Castillo, maybe the Reds are a little bit hesitant. I feel like the Cardinals would have to be far and away the best offer that they get before they sent him to St. Louis. But uh, I would, I'm with you again, as an agnostic, just agnostic baseball fan. I uh, talked about the Brewers making a bigger move. would like to see the Cardinals make something of a bigger move and, you know, make it feel like we're not just down to like a Mets Dodgers inevitability in the national league or, you know, Mets and Dodgers Padres at the top three and you know makes this a little bit more interesting as we get into the playoffs. Let's talk Tampa Bay Rays, Al. Eno Saris, our good buddy, is the one who contributed a uh, a blurb here on the team and uh, saying that the Rays will do something. It'll probably be surprising because the Rays are the Rays, maybe include elements of selling or buying, uh, selling and buying at the same time. So, 
Is there anything that uh, you can piece together from Eno's crypticness that could end up happening? <laughs> well, you, know, you said it's probably going to be something surprising. So whatever I could come up with, I'm sure would be wrong. But he uh, <laughs> did put some some names out there, you know, uh, putting them in the the Juan Soto sweepstakes. Uh, Josh Bell, uh, Josh Bell would certainly make a lot of sense uh, for them. He mentioned maybe the race trading away uh, Randy Rosarena, and I, I think that would make some sense too. So. Uh, yeah, I, I think it would probably all be on the, the hitting side. Yep. That's clearly where their needs are. Um, and they, they got a lot to work with. So uh, I hope Eno is right. I mean, another team that uh, is just lurking in the shadows, it feels like, leading up to this deadline. And a team that always surprises us and definitely has its eyes pointed toward October, even in that competitive AL East. We've got uh, just a couple more teams here, Al. The Texas Rangers, Levi Weaver, uh, mentions that he's been expecting the team to make a move for a nearly Major League ready starting pitcher. Uh, and then they go out and they draft Kamar Rocker. So maybe that was the move. Uh, he turns his attention to the offensive side of things, but he does say, and this is intriguing to me, that whatever the team does at the deadline, it's going to be with an eye on competing in 2023, which makes a lot of sense after the big contracts they handed out to Marcus Semien and Corey Seager in this offseason. Yeah, and the fact that uh, the Rangers uh, pretty much well into the first half were, were pretty competitive. I, they may not be that far away, and you, you've seen uh, Nathaniel Lowe take a big step forward this year, You know, plus the addition of uh, you know the, those big-name players uh, that you just alluded to. So, that yeah, that call by Levi really uh, it, it seems very intuitive. The one thing that kind of um, surprised me a bit, though, in terms of giving an example of a controllable outfielder that they could target was Cedric Mullins. Now, maybe that was more of just an example of, okay, a player at this particular yeah. level. Yeah. But yeah, like I'd be high really, in the sky. Hopes. Yeah. I feel like, well, also just from the Orioles perspective that uh, I, I don't see them dealing Mullins. I think it's, it's an interesting idea to, to think about. And in terms of uh, what the Orioles roster could look like next year, if they did something like that. And also just from a fantasy perspective, and maybe this is just, you know, a little bit of confirmation bias on my part, but I, I wasn't alone in thinking that the the power that Mullen showed last year looked like a bit of a, maybe a, an overachievement. And he has come down to earth in terms of that's still an extremely valuable player in fantasy. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I do wonder what Mullen's value will, will look like in drafts uh, come next March. Al, I'm going to blow through the Blue Jays here because Caitlin McGrath says that they're going to trade for two relievers. Obviously, no one who is going to upset Jordan Romano's uh, hold on the closer spot. And that feels like a, a sensible prediction for this team. Um, you know, they seem they feel set in the key spots. Go out, add some relievers, and get ready for a push to the postseason. Let's wrap things up with the Washington Nationals and the biggest name on the market, Juan Soto. Crazy that Juan Soto could get traded at 23 years old. It feels like that is going to happen. Over the next couple of days, Maria Torres, our Nationals beat reporter, makes the prediction that it will be the Yankees who end up winning this deal, uh, and they'll take Patrick Corbin on as well. I mean, God, that would suck. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I suppose, I suppose. Uh, You can look at it from the other end that uh, you get some some players uh, buried in the the Yankee system who would would get a chance uh, with the... with the Nationals, Clark Schmidt, uh, Esteban uh, Florial, uh, be excited to see them get uh-huh. a chance and get a chance sooner than later. Right. No one wants to see Soto. I mean, Yankees fans, I'm sorry. I'm sure you're all good people. Uh, but, you know, no one wants to see Soto go to the Yankees. Let's be realistic. <laughs> Nobody on this show anyway. 
Yankees and Cardinals, just like just anywhere else. <laughs> uh, again, Yankees fans, sure you're great people. Cardinals fans, I'm sure you're great people. But come on, you know no one cheers for your teams outside of you guys. Well, <laughs> you know that this is your your last show. Uh, I'm just going out like crazy. I'm just yeah, going out, we're dropping them some all. Listeners uh, on, on your last show. No, here. Al, I said they're. I'm sure they're good, fine people who I would enjoy hanging out with and having a beer with. I just think that they know themselves that no one except for them cheers for their baseball teams. No one's That's like, fair. yeah, give me a Cardinals Yankees World Series. I want to see that. Well, that is fair. <laughs> oh man, this is fun. Uh, you know, the the next five days are going to be a whole lot of fun as we see potentially some. I mean. Look at, I mean, look at the names that we've talked about here, Alan. Like, our beat writers weren't pulling these out of nowhere. I mean, we're talking about Juan Soto and Luis Castillo and Pablo Lopez and Wilson Contreras. I mean, this could be a really fun and landscape-altering trade deadline over these next five days. We'll have it all covered for you here at The Athletic. Al, DVR, and the guys, they'll have it all covered for you on the Fantasy baseball pod as well Alan DVR in fact back with you tomorrow to break down the waiver wire it's going to be a big weekend of speculating so you're definitely going to want to listen in to what Al and DVR have to say for Al Melchior this is Michael Beller one last time on the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast signing off again thanks to all the listeners especially Jason Axelband for being loyal here and letting me talk to you about baseball over these last few years I've absolutely enjoyed it I'm not going too far more details on that next week. Al DVR, they've got you covered for the rest of the season and beyond. We'll talk to you soon.